1: BYU quarterback Keaton Slovis gets a nice bump of approval from an NFL scout that has got a lot of ties all over the country. And also, BYU has another big official visit happening this
0: week. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen to the day. Appreciate you guys being with us every single day, and thank you for all of you for being our quote unquote everydayers right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We are, of course, brought to you today by our friends over at FanDuel. This episode is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more with our friends at FanDuel. Visit fanDuel.com slash locked on today to get started. Also, a reminder for you guys that we are your original daily podcast focused on all things BYU. So once again, thank you for checking out the show. Let's dive right in on today's show and talk about Keaton Slovis, obviously BYU quarterback, expected to lead BYU into the Big 12 era, and a guy that BYU's pinned a lot of their hopes of having a successful debut in the Big 12 conference with him leading the BYU Cougars into this next football season. We're 82 days away, so happy Parker Kingston Day to all of you out there as you continue to draw closer and closer to the season. But over the weekend... In- Interesting comment came out from Jim Nagy. Now, you probably know that name. Some of you might not. Uh, He is the uh, executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. Essentially, the Senior Bowl is the... Chief, or I guess, most prominent uh, showcase event for seniors coming out for the NFL draft after each football season. BYU this past year had three representatives in that game. Obviously, Blake Freeland, uh, Jaron Hall, and Puka all made the trip. It's held in Mobile, Alabama, every single year, and it's a huge, huge event because representatives from all thirty-two teams. Think of it essentially as the NFL Combine before the actual Combine. Essentially, the guys who get drafted uh, are either at the NFL Combine or in more importantly, in some cases, they're at this senior bowl. It's a huge. Huge deal to be invited to this. And Jim Nagy had a lot of praise for Keaton Slovis. And I was very impressed with his breakdown of this. So the tweet he said is Keaton Slovis, who is surprised by not only going back for a fifth year, but also transferred from Pitt to BYU football, was one of two returning quarterbacks, along with Oregon's Bo Nix, who received senior bowl invites last fall. So he actually was a guy that was expected to go to Mobile and uh, try his hand and showing what he was capable of doing to all these NFL executives, coaches, and uh, just scouts overall. Says this. Continuing from Jim Nagy. People who claim that, quote, stats don't lie, unquote, have no clue because they do in many cases when it comes to projecting college players to the NFL. Interesting to hear that from Jim Nagy's perspective because this is a guy, before he went to go work for the Senior Bowl, was a National Scout, most I think most notably for the Kansas City Chiefs, but has spent almost his entire career as a guy who projects and evaluates guys for a living in, when it comes to the NFL draft. He adds this, statistically, Slovis' numbers on paper have declined in many areas, completion percentage, touchdowns since his breakout true freshman season at USC, but his NFL talent tape is obvious when you put on the tape. He says this, Keaton Slovis is one of the most naturally accurate passers in the 2024 class. When we talk to NFL scouts, they love his ball placement on mid-range throws that are so critical in the pro game. The NFL is all about fitting ball into tight windows, and Slovis has that skill. One other main thing that stood up on last year's pit tape was Slovis' toughness. He got physically abused last year in some games. See the Tennessee game, obviously, that game was a game that uh, Pitt was very much in with Tennessee and ended up losing it. But it was obviously, he got beat up in that game. I think he was actually lost midway through it. But he says, and he showed guts in handling all of it. Uh, Kalani Satake getting Slovis to replace Vikings fifth rounder and senior bowl alum Jaron Hall hasn't been talked about nearly enough when it comes to the best transfer portal acquisitions in college football this season. Hashtag best of the best. Now, What does this mean for BYU's fortunes in 2023? Well, frankly, I think that they're projecting him to go out and have a season that is going to get him another invite to the Senior Bowl next year. Now, Jim did end up joining, uh, I believe it was Ben Crittle's show, yeah, Cougar Sports 960. And he said there was no doubt, quote, no doubt that he would have been drafted, speaking of Keaton Slovis, on that program. Very interesting to hear him say that because I think there was a lot of doubt. I, th- I would include myself in that camp about Keaton truthfully being a guy who was an NFL prospect, especially coming out after last season if he had decided to follow that route. But according to Jim Nagy, he says that he would have been drafted. He says the NFL scouts like him. They said they really like his ability to throw balls into tight windows. Like I said, what does that mean for BYU? Well, it sure looks like if he is as good as he's being cracked up to be, Keaton Slovis could make BYU 3-for-3 three three in their last three quarterbacks under Aaron Roderick's tutelage in being drafted in the NFL. And I think if Keaton Slovis has an NFL draft-caliber season, that is going to lead BYU to some pretty good success in 2023. Now, I've talked about this often on the podcast. Success year one in the Big 12 may all be relative to any of you who are watching and or listening to this. but nonetheless. I think if Keaton Slovis truthfully is what he is being projected to be, especially in the case of Jim Nagy, and he, he doesn't say that stats don't necessarily tell the whole story, but he thinks that Keaton Slovis has got the skills to be a next-level quarterback, and BYU's track record, if you will go back through their history, especially going back to the start of the Lavelle Edwards area, when BYU has traditionally had an upperclassman, NFL-caliber quarterback, success has followed for BYU football. But like I said, this is a different era for BYU, especially when it comes to playing at the power five level. BYU has never faced 10 straight power five opponents, and that's obviously going to take its toll on BYU's roster. Is it a roster that's built to withstand all of the hits it's likely to take this year? We're all, all about to find out, but I think that BYU is very intent on showing that, hey, we have the capability of competing on a game in and game out basis from literally day one in the Big 12. Does that mean uh, they're going to go out there and blow the doors off everybody and surprise everybody with an 8-4 and four season this year? No, I don't think so. I- I'm still standing by. I think if you win six games this year, I would consider it a pretty remarkable success for BYU, year one in the Big 12, and you build from there. But the nice part is, like I said, if Jim Nagy is right about a guy like Keaton Slovis being a quote-unquote next-level quarterback, an NFL-caliber quarterback, the track record suggests that he is going to have a good year for BYU, and BYU uh, by happenstance is going to benefit from a guy like Keaton Slovis going out and shining for the Cougars out there. So I'm very interested to see where this ultimately goes, what ultimately uh, entails for a guy like Keaton Slovis, because Nagy did say that the NFL tape does not necessarily take into account completely all the stats that Keaton Slovis has accumulated in his career. But yet again, this is a guy who was thrown for nearly 10,000 yards in his college career. He will go over 10,000 this fall, if I'm not mistaken with the BYU football program. And that would be a very very nice benefit to have a guy of that caliber leading BYU into the Big 12 area. It would set them up, I think, quite nicely, by the way, uh, for 2024 and beyond. Because at that point, then Aaron Roderick, the rest of the offensive staff at BYU, Kalani Sitake himself, can go on the recruiting trail and thump their chest even more than they already are to quarterbacks in this class. Well, this past weekend, Maya Luiaki-Smith was on an official visit to BYU. You can guarantee Aaron Roderick, uh, Matt Mitchell, the entire offensive coaching staff was showing film of both... Jaron Hall and Zach Wilson to Smith, but at the same time, they've got to be looking and saying, okay, if we can get what we expect out of Keaton Slovis this fall, that's got to be all that more enticing for a guy like Maya Louiaki Smith or any other, the other quarterback prospects BYU's looking to bring in. Demarcus Davis said that he had plans to visit BYU at some point this month, as along with uh, E.J. Kamenong, who is a commit to the Washington football program. Very interested to see which one of these quarterbacks ultimately pulls the trigger and picks BYU of any of them, but I think whoever had it is. I think it says a lot about BYU's belief in them if they bring them into this program because BYU does not bring in guys they don't believe can be starting caliber, high-level players. Aaron Roderick, he's stated on the record multiple times that he is going to take a quarterback in every class, but not just going to take any quarterback. He takes quarterbacks he believes are able to compete for playing time at BYU and eventually in his mind, end up as starting caliber, if not NFL caliber quarterback. So Track record's rolling pretty good for right now for BYU. Is the QBU designation back for BYU? That's up for you to debate, and I'd love to hear your, your response to that. I guess they will make it a question of the day. Uh, weigh in via social media or drop it in the comments if you're watching this on YouTube. Do you think BYU is QBU, the moniker they had back in the 70s and the 80s, is it back for BYU? Are they back into the quarterbacking business? Are they back to having elite-level quarterbacks out there on a game-in and game-out basis every single year? I'd love to to have you guys weigh in on that, and we'll uh, get to some of those responses on tomorrow's show. All right, coming up in just a minute, another big official visit is taking place early this week. Reiner Swanson, if you don't know his name, I would encourage you guys to get to know that name because he is a high-level, high-level player that is coming to visit BYU. We're talking about what he offers potentially to BYU and what BYU should be trying to get him, uh, to hook him when it comes to his official visit. Getting to all of that coming up next right here on Locked on Cougars. Now, first, a word on our friends over at FanDuel. They've been working with this for a few months now, and the NBA Finals and the NBA Playoffs are coming quickly to a close. But the best part is you can still make a fast break to join up with our friends over at FanDuel. Right now, a new customer can get a no sweat first bet up to $2,500. You heard that right. $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. Best part about FanDuel, they've got great promotions available to you on an everyday basis. They offer a safe and secure app that protects your data and your privacy, but more importantly, get you paid out instant. As soon as you win, you can get paid out. And the best part is you can still cash in on that no sweat first bet right now by getting up to $2,500 back from our friends at FanDuel. There is no better place to bet on all the playoff and NBA Finals action than with America's number one sportsbook. So get started today. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started today. That's a $2,500 bonus bet uh, return to you if you don't win on your first bet. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started today once again. That's FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen today. Thank you to all of you who are everyday with us right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Coming up on tomorrow's show, just a little bit of a preview ahead. We're going to get dive back into the Phil Steele uh, preview edition of his college football preview. And some interesting notes I gleaned as I was reading over BYU's preview from him. And we'll talk about that on tomorrow's show. I actually had plans to talk about it today on the Monday edition of the show. But when Jim Nagy put out what he put out, I was like, you know what? We're going we're gonna to move that to tomorrow. So stay tuned for that. We'll also continue our look back at all 155 games of BYU's independent era as we continue to get you ready for the upcoming football season as well, so stay tuned for all of that on our tomorrow edition, our Tuesday edition, I should say, of Locked on Cougars. All right, uh, time to now to talk about Reiner Swanson. Now, if you don't know that name, Reiner Swanson is a tight end prospect from Laguna Hills, excuse me, Laguna Beach High School down in Laguna Beach, California. Talk about an incredible place to grow up. Uh, Orange County is a phenomenal place. Laguna Beach is even that much nicer. Uh, I I Am married into an Orange County family. Granted, they did not live on Laguna Beach, but it's still a phenomenal place to have grown up. And Reiner Swanson has grown into a phenomenal tight end prospect down there in Southern California. Listed at six foot four or six foot five, depending on which recruiting service you look at, weighing in between two hundred and thirty and two hundred and forty pounds. This is an elite level tight end prospects, folks. And it seems like BYU's had a bevy of these in recent years coming through the program, either signing with the Cougars or looking at other options. But Reiner Swanson has already made official visits to Texas. He made an official visit to Oregon uh, over this past weekend, and he's going to be making an official visit to BYU early this week. I I was a little bit confused. I think he's coming on the visit tomorrow, but I've seen some chatter out there that it may be starting today. But nonetheless, it is a huge, huge visit for a guy like Reiner Swanson to come to BYU because he has got all the skills to be the next great tight end for BYU. You look at his tape. I, I had a chance to pull up his huddle highlights. I'm highly highly impressed with this young man. Natural pass catcher. is very, very good with his feet. Great hands. Not afraid to go up and absorb contact when coming down with footballs, but also he has shown some some of the chops that you want to see from guys who can block as an inline tight end. Does he ultimately end up as a quote-unquote true inline tight end? I don't know, but he's got all the size to do that. Like I said, 6'4", 230 pounds at minimum right now as a high schooler. You can only imagine what a college coach looking at, what a guy like Reiner Swanson offers, would be thinking, man, what can I do with this guy? He is a composite four-star prospect according to 24-7 Sports composite rating with an 89.33 rating. Uh, uh, To their credit, 24-7 Sports has him as a high-level three-star prospect, just a shade outside of four-star territory. He's the 23rd rated tight end in this upcoming recruiting class, but I think this is going to be a very, very big battle. It sounds like there is a trio of finalists for him. It's BYU, Oregon, and Texas. Obviously, Steve Sarkeesian, a a guy that is very familiar with BYU's recruiting tactics. Oregon is no slouch in their own right when it comes to recruiting. But the good news for BYU in regards to the battle for a guy like Reiner Swanson is that he's coming to BYU for his last official visit. BYU will get the final uh, impression to give a kid like this. Because What I understand is he is planning on making an official uh, decision of his commitment, I guess... Official decision. He's going to make a commitment decision coming up this summer, heading into his senior season for Laguna Beach High School. This would be a phenomenal pickup for BYU. Don't discount that BYU's already got a number of tight ends on this roster. You can never have too many of those guys on the roster. And the crazy thing to me to think about is a guy like Reiner Swanson combined with Jackson Bowers could be the next tight end duo that could see just superstardom in their future, in my mind, for BYU. Now, I'm projecting ahead before either one of these guys takes a snap for BYU, speaking of Bowers and or Swanson. But both of them, I'm telling you, both of them show the chops, the skills, the hands, the speed, all the tools you want to see from a high school process to come in and be impact players for the BYU football program. Reiner would make for a phenomenal tight end duo with Jackson Bowers going into BYU's uh, future in the Big 12. Obviously, I think Isaac Rex, we did a little bit of a short on him on YouTube yesterday if you missed it. I think that his final season in a BYU uniform is this year. So obviously, that's going to leave a hole in the lineup for BYU at tight end. Does Ethan Erickson step up and assume that role? Maybe so. Does a walk-on like Nathan Coleman ultimately emerge and take that job? Maybe so. So, But I think Jackson Bowers is thinking, that job's mine in 2024 and beyond, if not playing time already as a freshman in 2023. And then Reiner Swanson's got to be thinking, there's a great opportunity. There's a little bit of a hole uh, forming for BYU potentially at tight end in 2024. Could he come in and fill that hole right away? That'd be a phenomenal thing if so. But BYU's going to have their work cut out for him. Oregon and Texas are not used to losing on the recruiting trail, especially when it comes to going head-to-head with BYU for profit. Prospects like this. Reiner is a member of the LDS faith, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints, a guy that I think BYU do very, very well to bring in, and obviously highlight the fact you can play Power 5 football here at BYU. You can be around like-minded individuals, obviously, of the LDS faith. You can go to a school that you're super familiar with, just due to your affiliation uh, with the LDS religion. There's just so many ties between Reiner Swanson and BYU. I sincerely hope the Cougars can pull this off. Like I said, it's it's not going to be easy, because Texas and Oregon, they're, they're hard to turn down. I'm, I'm telling you, just speaking personally, and I was never the level of athlete that any of these guys that talk about on this podcast are, but if you were telling me that I had to pick between BYU, Texas, and Oregon. (sighs) That would be tough, folks, because I've been to Oregon. I've seen their facilities, and they've upgraded them since I was there last. Texas has got just money coming out of their ears, it feels like, and they're always upgrading everything down there in Austin. It'd be very hard to turn down those two programs, and obviously an opportunity in the case of Texas to be part of their squad that's going into the SEC next year, but... I sincerely hope that Rainer Swanson spurns both of them picks BYU because he is a guy. He's one of those dudes that you just look at and say, that's a guy that BYU's got to get. It's simply put, they've got to get a guy like this because he's got all the capability, all the talent, and all the connections to BYU that just scream this should be a BYU a BYU tight end. And the nice part is BYU's got a tradition of tight ends succeeding at a very high level. You can go back through the decades and point Ryder Swanson to guys like Gordon Hudson, more recently Johnny Harleen, Andrew George, man, on down the list, Dennis Pitta. You can point to Isaac Rex himself right now. There is phenomenal tight end talent that BYU's had come through this program and you got to point to it if you're Aaron Roderick Steve Clark Kalani Satake and whoever else might be in this kid's ear on this official visit and tell them you can be that next guy you can put your name up there in the pantheon of BYU great tight ends and that's got to be the hook for a guy like that. We'll see if it ultimately pans out, but I sincerely hope BYU can pull this off because it'd be big, 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 big. I said that four times there to get a guy like that because just this is the type of guy that BYU could not afford to lose, it feels like, as they become Power 5 members. And uh, honestly, in past iterations of the BYU football program, they might have lost a kid like this, but there should be no excuse at this point. This should be a guy BYU should be able to land. They have all of the, all of the checklists, I guess you should say, Power five affiliation uh, for a kid like this and Reiner Swanson, a member of the LDS faith, obviously sponsored us uh, the sponsoring institution of Brigham Young university. There's, there's just so much going for this and I sincerely hope BYU wins out in the end, but we'll find out, but that official visit happening earlier this early this week, I should say, and looking forward to seeing what the outcome might be. I'm also looking forward to seeing what the outcome is. The word on the street is about Maya Louie Smith. I'll be asking around to see if I can get you guys some Intel on that visit from this past weekend as well. And of course, we'll bring that to you if we can find it. Uh, coming up in a later edition of the podcast this week. All right, there you go. So there you go. Some thoughts on Reiner Swanson. We'll finish out today's show with two different things we need to hit on before we go. BYU's uh, official end of the athletic year is done from this past weekend. BYU track and field athletes finished up their uh, participation in the NCAA championships down there in Austin, Texas. How did things go? We'll talk about that. And we'll also look back at a rare win in 2017 for BYU as the Cougars took care of business against San Jose State. More in a moment, right Here On Locked On Cougars. Now, a word on our friends over at Perry Homes, real quick. Perry Homes has been working with us for the last few months. The best part is if you're looking for your first home or you're looking for your dream home or anything in between, uh, Perry Homes is here for you, my friends. They're here to give you guys all the options you guys need. They are Utah's premier home builder with communities throughout the state. They have many communities, home designs, and price points to help meet all of your needs. They are sincerely uh, interested in helping you guys get to where you guys need to get to. They have beautiful communities in Davis, Salt Lake, Tooele, and Utah counties. They also have multiple communities in Washington. Washington County near St. George, as well, if you want to get started with them today. They are offering over 50 unique home designs from Ramblers to two stories to townhomes and anything in between to fit what you need for your family. In my case, I've got uh, four people. You may have six, seven, eight people. No matter what you've got, or even more than that, they've got the options to help fit you guys. They are offering generous financing incentives through their preferred lender right now as well. So visit PerryHomesUtah.com to see what's new in Utah's finest neighborhoods. That's PerryHomesUtah.com to learn more now for 50 years. Utah has been coming home to Perry Homes.
0: It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one-selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's kabotaorangedays.com.
1: Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars a part of your routine, my friends. If you've not done so already, uh, please consider subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show. Whether you're watching this on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. Also hit the bell notification icon next to it. That'll enable notifications so that when an episode drops, it informs you immediately. Or if you're listening to this on Spotify, Google, uh, Stitcher, or most importantly, Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review on those podcast providers as well. They're absolutely critical to our success. Uh, we We are north of 3,100 subscribers now on YouTube and we've got thousands and thousands more on the various podcast platforms out there. And I cannot think he has enough for your support, but if you have not done so already, if you're just checking us out, subscribe to the show, rate, review it, and let us know what you like about it or what you'd like to see improved and we'll do our best to help you guys out along the way here. All right, a couple of notes before we go on today's show is a look back at how things went this past weekend for BYU the NCAA Track Championships. Uh, First things first, congratulations to Kenneth Rooks racing away in the 3,000-meter steel People chase to win the men's NCAA individual title is the first time in four years. BYU has an NCAA champion uh, in the track and field outdoor championship. So congratulations to Rooks. Uh, He was in a dead heat uh, with Duncan Hamilton from Montana state. Then he just raced away in the final uh, uh, final lap of that race, finishing six seconds ahead of Hamilton. Absolutely incredible showing for Kenneth Rooks. Congratulations to him on the individual title. Uh, he helped BYU men uh, finish number 10 in the country, I guess 10th in the meet uh, with 22.5 points. The BYU woman finished in a tied for 14th place with 17 points on the season, but a number of All-American honors were handed out. I'm just looking as I'm scrolling across this. Sierra Tidwell-Alfin uh, finished uh, first-team All-American high jump. Lexi Halliday-Lowry, first-team in the steeplechase. Claire there, Seymour and Megan Hunter in the 800 meters both were uh, first team uh, first team All-Americans in their own right. That's from Saturday. Moving on uh, to later in the week, Friday had phenomenal showings for Dallin shirts in the discus throw, uh, finishing with a 201-foot discus toss to finish as a first-team All-American. Casey Klinger finishing as a second-team All-American in the 5,000 meters after he had a really, really good showing in the 10,000 meters. It was a a phenomenal, phenomenal weekend for BYU men's and women's track and field. And the crazy thing about it is, folks, we are officially in the dead of the offseason. BYU sports are done for the summer. They will obviously... Be off until BYU uh, women's soccer resumes action. I believe August is August fourth or fifth. They're having their blue and white meet, or not their meet, their uh, their match. And then they're off and rolling in the Big Twelve era. are folks. We we have just finished. It's the it's the end of the West Coast Conference era officially. And now, hello Big Twelve. We are just about what are we uh, two weeks, three weeks away from BYU celebrating entering the Big Twelve Conference on July first, and then just a month after that, BYU women's soccer gets the Big Twelve era under way in earnest as they take the field at Southfield for the first time. So get excited. It is coming very, very quickly. All right, final note on today shows you look back at another game in BYU football history of their independent era. we have been going through all 155 of these games, and BYU in 2017, we all know, was just an absolutely brutal, brutal season. They'd come off, uh, they'd lost seven straight games. They were limping home to face off against San Jose State, and BYU needed to win in a really really bad way. The good news was is that San Jose State was just as bad, if not worse than BYU, because BYU raced to a 41-20 victory over San Jose State at uh, Lavelle Edwards Stadium. That dropped San Jose State to 1-8 on the year. BYU already eliminated from a bowl contention, got to 2-7 on the season, but nonetheless Tanner Mangum had a really, really good performance. 283 yards and 3 touchdowns in this game. KJ Hall had one of his finer performances as a BYU Cougar. 112 yards rushing and a touchdown through the air. Uh, Micah Simon Hall in two of those touchdown receptions from Tanner Mangum. But the crazy thing about this is, is looking back at the 2017 season, BYU finished the year 4-9. and nine. We all know that absolutely brutal season, the worst they'd had in 50-plus years. But did you know that BYU, the best or the largest margin of victory this uh in the, during that season came in this game. BYU beat San Jose State by 21 points. The other three victories for BYU that year were a grand total of 26 points. It was absolutely just incredibly small margins for BYU, even in their wins. But this was one that BYU could celebrate. They ended up uh, getting the big win that they needed to get them out of their doldrums a little bit. But nonetheless, the struggles will continue, obviously, as uh, BYU's season just got worse and worse uh, down the stretch. Uh, it just... This 2017 season, I cannot wait to finish it this week. We're going to get through the entirety of it Uh, by the end of the week. uh, Heaven hoping because it's one of those seasons I've kind of thought back on. I was covering this. I actually remember – Doing sports radio the week after BYU had lost to East Carolina. We talked about it on our Friday edition of the podcast. For those of you who are everydayers, uh, make sure you check it out. But we talked about the fact that BYU was eliminated from bowl contention. I remember the following week we were talking on sports radio, which is my day job with the KSL Sports Zone. We were talking about the fact that this is absolutely astounding. BYU is just entering the month of November and we already know they're not going to be able to play in the bowl season. Really, this is what do they have to play for at this point? Pride? Like they, that was the talking point. And And honestly, there was no rebuttal that was satisfactory other than that. They were just simply playing out the string at this point. But it was good to see them battle back, obviously, snapping that lengthy losing streak. Seven straight games they had lost. The most they had lost in a row since before Lavelle Edwards took over as head coach. That went back to the early uh, 70s, if not the late 60s crazy, crazy times, but the good news was BYU, at least for one afternoon, was able to celebrate with that win over San Jose State, and we'll talk about a Fresno State game uh, coming up on tomorrow's podcast that, uh, let's just put it this way, put BYU back into the doldrums a little bit, but we'll get to that on tomorrow's edition of the podcast. All right, so there you go. You guys are up to speed on everything you need to know about on this Monday edition of the show. A big thank you once again for all of you for making us your first listen of the day. Thank you once again also for being our everydayers with us here. It's great to Be talking BYU sports every single day right here on the podcast. And the nice part is uh, we have been able to continue to do five episodes a week. We've had plenty of news to get to. So we will continue to do that as long as possible as we get you ready for the upcoming uh, Big 12 era and the football season ahead for BYU. But stick with us every single day. And a big thank you once again for your support as always. Until tomorrow, have a great rest of your day, my friends. This has been the Locked on Cougars podcast. See ya.
0: Hey, Prime members.